Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel, and we'll be in chapter number six tonight. The book of Daniel, chapter number six. Now, we've had a lot of fun up until now. I mean, we've studied, uh, and we'll have fun tonight. We've studied Daniel in the lion's den. We've learned about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and all of these narrative stories that we've looked at, and they've been a lot of fun. And, and now we're getting to the part of Daniel after tonight. We'll get into that part where it gets very, very difficult. So I suggest maybe we move on to Hosea or <laughs> another book. But I know you're not going to take that suggestion, so when we come back next week, we're going to start digging in hard in Daniel number 7. I know that's a, lot of the, a reason a lot of you are here, and that's what you've been waiting for, is to, is to get into those prophecies and, and uh, maybe get some insight into what's going on in our world today. And I think there is some insight for us there. So I'm looking forward to that. I was kidding. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be difficult. So pray that as we go through that rest of the study of Daniel, that, that God does bless us with some, some uh, nuggets of wisdom that we haven't seen before and, and uh, keeps us on a straight path as we, as we look at these great prophecies contained in the last few chapters of this book. But we are going to finish up tonight in, in chapter number six with that familiar story of Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, we one of those stories like Shadrach and Meshach we learn as a little kid in Sunday school. And so, so uh, it's, it's, as I said last week, I think we're almost over familiar with the story. And, and so in some ways it, it, it becomes mundane to us. But, but, you know, if we put ourselves in Daniel's shoes in this situation and, and remind ourselves that there are going to be times when we're in situations like this, I doubt we'll be thrown in a lion's den, but there, there are lion den, dens in life, places where where only God can save us. Uh, places where, where they're dark and dreary and, and like Joseph in that pit, you just, and it just seems to never end. And, and uh, our only hope is God. And, and as I said last week, and I'll say tonight, that's, that's not such a bad place to be. So, so let's pick up where we off, left off last time. If you remember the story, the satraps of Babylon had set this trap for Daniel. And they had used Darius's pride for the bait. What they had done, they had talked Darius into issuing a decree that for one month he would be God for the month. And, and nobody would call upon any other God but Darius. Nobody would worship anyone but Darius. Uh, nobody would pray to any God but Darius. And, and so uh, they set that trap knowing that Daniel was true to his God. That he was true to Jehovah God. And that at some point... He was going to pray to Jehovah God. And so they didn't have to wait long. I mean, the first day after the decree, uh, sure enough, Daniel did what he always did. He opened up his windows facing Jerusalem. And I believe he prayed for, for the nation of Israel that they would come out of captivity. And they were there waiting for him. And, and when they uh, caught him praying, they took him to Darius and said, uh, Daniel has violated your decree uh, he has prayed to another God other than you, and that decree cannot be reversed according to the laws of the Medes and Persians. Once a king made a decree, that decree was final. And so uh, Darius knew he had been set up at that point. Uh, he he was consulted the lawyers all day. He tried to do everything he could. He loved Daniel. 
He didn't want Daniel to go to the lion's den. He knew he'd been suckered into this, into this situation, and he was mad about it. He, and, uh, but there wasn't anything he could do. Uh, he had to put Daniel into the lion's den. And that's where we want to pick up tonight in, in uh, verse number 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, say to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Hey, that's no, no doubt about that. We, we know the end of this story, so we know he's going to deliver him. I don't know Darius was so sure of that. Uh, basically, I think he was washing his hands of Daniel and, and, and saying, man, that's, that's your only hope that your God whom you continually serve will deliver you. Now, he's going to cast him into this line of dens, and, 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 and I don't know that we have anything like what they had in those days on earth today. I mean, the, the, line of, the den of lions, not the line of dens, the den of lions was, was uh, different from anything that you would see in a zoo. It wasn't anything like that. Basically, what they would do, they would, they would go into an existing cavern, or carve out a cavern, and they would throw those lines into that cavern, and then whenever they wanted to, to kill one of their enemy and be entertained by killing them or give them a really terrible death, they would, throw, they would keep those lines hungry so that as soon as they went into that uh, den of lions, uh, that the lions would, would, uh, would kill them. I mean, these lions weren't pets. I mean, they had one purpose, and that was to brutally kill the enemies of the king. And so here's Daniel, and he's thrown into this deep, dark pit of a cavern. I mean, just imagine it for a minute. All alone, uh, uh, smelly. You know, they didn't clean it very often. Uh, the, the lions were starving. Uh, it was a lonely place. And all the king can say to him is, Daniel... Uh, it's come down to this. I can't do anything else for you. You have to trust in the God you serve continually. You know, as I said last week and I said earlier, we all come to a place in our life at some point. I don't know what point that is. But we're a point where we're cast into a den of lions, into a dark and lonely place. A place where it seems like God could never show up. Uh, and a place where the only hope for our deliverance is the Lord. As I said, that's not a bad place to be. I mean, what did Peter say about God's deliverance of the elect? He said in chapter 2, verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of trials. Hey, if you're a godly person, what makes us a godly person? Because we live like God all the time? No, what makes us a godly person is Christ in us, our hope of glory. That's what makes us godly, the righteousness of God that's been given to us. And if we're a child of God, then God knows how to deliver us. I don't care what pit you've been thrown into or what pit you're going to be thrown into. If you're not in a pit now, just wait. You're going to be in one sooner or later. And when you get into that pit, if you're a child of God, you're not alone. It's not as dark and dreary 
as it seems. And, and God knows how to deliver his own. He knew how to deliver Daniel, didn't he? Look at verse 17. Then a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signets of the Lord's that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. So Daniel's fate, as far as they were concerned, was sealed. It was sealed by the king, but it hadn't been sealed by God yet, had it? It had been sealed by the king so that if Daniel, even if Daniel had escaped or somebody tried to deliver him out of that lion's den, they would have known it because the seal would have been broken and then, and then he would have just been cast right back into the lion's den. But uh, because the, the law of the Medes and Persians could not be changed once the law has been spoken or once it's been decreed. So basically the king leaves Daniel there to die and he goes to bed. And he does something different than he normally does. Look at verse number 18. He says, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. I don't know if he ever fasted in his life before that. Now, fasting for him wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, he didn't bring any musicians in that night to entertain him. He didn't, he, 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 he didn't sleep very good and he didn't eat his midnight snack. So, so that's the only thing that he did any different. And, and, and give him credit, though. He loved Daniel. And all he could think about this point, at this point, was Daniel. I mean, I, he, he didn't want Daniel to die. And he knew Daniel was going to die. He was hoping against hope that he wouldn't die. But he knew that he was going to die. And as soon as the sun rose, man, what did he do? He, he rushed to the cavern to find out Daniel's fate. Look at verse number 19. And then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with, with a lamenting voice to Daniel, a very sad and sorry voice. He was actually crying. And he cries out to Daniel, and he spoke to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And I think deep down in his heart, he figured he hadn't been able to deliver him. He figured Daniel was... was was toast, lion toast. He'd been eaten by the lions. And uh, he figured nobody could survive a night in there with those ravenous lions. Nobody. And, uh, but he was hoping against hope that he had. And sure enough, Daniel answered him from the cave. And what did Daniel say? Yeah, I'm alive, no thanks to you. Now, Daniel didn't say that. I, I, I can't believe what Daniel says here. I mean, no snide remarks. He doesn't rebuke the king. He doesn't rebuke the satrap. Just listen to him. Listen to what he says right out of his mouth. Verse number 21. He says, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Now, does that sound familiar, that phrase right there? Where did we hear that before? Remember when the satraps... We're trying to set a trap for Daniel based upon the bait of Darius's pride. So they came to Darius and they flattered him and they said, oh, king, live forever. And that's all it was. It was flattery. They hoped the king died at any moment. They care, could care less about the king. But Daniel was sincere. And there's something embedded in what he says here. Other than just flattery. He's not flattering the king. Daniel was an honest guy. I mean, he, he, he wasn't a flatterer. He really meant it. I mean, he had no grudge against the king for what the king had done. He really meant it. Oh, king, live 
forever. I mean, what was he doing when he said that? You know what he was actually doing? He was giving the king the gospel message. He was saying, King, I hope you live forever. I hope you're paying attention to what's happened right here. I mean, my God, Jehovah God, has delivered me from the mouth of the lions. Not only has he delivered me from the mouth of the lions, he's delivered me from death, period. Whosoever believeth in Jesus Christ shall never die. That's what the Bible says. I mean, once you're born again, you've been delivered from death. You'll never die. Now, your body will die, but you won't taste death. You'll never die. And so, I mean, that's what Jesus says to all of us. Maybe son of the king, but we're kings and priests. Oh, king, live forever. May you live forever. I mean, he, that's, what, that's what he was saying to, to King Darius. And, and Darius received the gospel. Darius, Darius paid attention, just like Nebuchadnezzar did. Darius paid attention to what was going on here. Look at verse number 22. How did, how did he get delivered? My God sent his angel. Who's his angel? The same angel he sent when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been thrown in the fiery furnace. The one who looked like the son of God, Nebuchadnezzar said, because he is the son of God. He is the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And he says, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. King, I never meant when I prayed to God, I wasn't showing disrespect to you. I was innocent in this matter. I respect you as king, but I'm innocent before God, and I'm innocent before God. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. I mean, what, a, what an experience that had to be. You're thrown into this den of lions, this dark, dreary pit, and guess who shows up? The angel of the Lord in all his Shekinah glory. You know, the light of the Lord, when he's present, covers any darkness you might be experiencing. And here was Daniel in this dark, deep pit, this cavern with all these hungry lions. And the angel of the Lord showed up and he shut the lion's mouth by his, by his word. Just like he calmed the storm by his word. He shut the lion's mouth by his word. You know, I imagine no sooner than Daniel got in that pit than he was reminded of Psalm number 34. He might even started singing it. Those were songs that they sang from the time they were youth. Let me read it to you. Let me just read part of it to you. The angel of the Lord encamps around all who fear him. You fear the Lord, and the Lord encamps with you wherever you're at. Whatever deep, dark cavern you're in, whatever impossible situation you might be in, the Lord's going to be there if you fear the Lord. And he delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want for those who fear him. The righteous cried out and then the Lord hears and he delivers them. Listen to this. Out of some of their troubles, out of all their troubles. Who's righteous? No, not one. Unless you've been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you get that by fearing the Lord. 
So you fear the Lord, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and he delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and sees it says such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But listen to this. Many are the afflictions. You're going to be afflicted if you're a child of God. In this world, you will have tribulation, many tribulations. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them. How many? All. All in the Hebrew means what? All. He delivers us out of all of them. And there was Daniel. I mean, in his dark pit. And the angel of the Lord shows up and he brings light to that pit. And he delivers him from the mouth of the lions. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who fears the Lord. He, he's going to deliver you out of every trial and affliction you face. Every one of them. You might go through them for a while, but eventually you're going to come out on the other side and get ready for the next one. He's going to deliver you. Deliverance sometimes is death of these bodies. But one way or the other, he's going to deliver his own. If you fear the Lord, because if the angel of the Lord's in camp with you, hey, the Lord be for us, who can be against us? Then in verse number 23, it says, Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded they, sh they should take Daniel out of the pit, out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever or whatever was found on him. Why? Why? What have we been studying in Hebrews chapter 11? It's impossible to please God without what? Faith. Faith. Why was Daniel delivered? Because he believed in his God. He believed in Jehovah God. Look, if you're truly a born again believer, you have the same substance of faith that Daniel had. You might think, well, I'm going to be cast into this den of lions and I'm not going to be able to stand up like Daniel did or I'm not going to be able to believe like Daniel did. Oh, you'll believe. You'll believe. You'll believe because faith is a gift of God, not a works lest any man should boast. And that gift of faith has been given to every believer. And as we've said on many occasions, it's not how much faith you have, it's the object of your faith that counts the most. I mean, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say this mountain be moved and that mountain will be moved because of the object of your faith. Faith, the mustard seed is about the smallest thing you can have. So you can have small faith and see great deliverances from God. The question is, who is your God? I mean, what is your God? Who do you fear? Who do you worship? I mean, I mean you can say you worship God. But do you really worship God? Daniel was a man who really worshiped God. He really feared God. And God delivered him. And so anyway. We go to the next verse. And it's not such a good deal for the other guys. You know, I, I believe God is love. I believe God in ways loves, he says, for God so loved the world, the cosmos, this whole world, that he gave his only begotten son. 
He wishes that none should perish, that all should come to eternal life. But the Bible also says that Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. And I don't care how you exegete that. It means what it says it means. I mean, I can show you. I mean, God at some point when he sees in his foreknowledge that a person is going to die a rebel, then they're at enmity with God. And God's not going to deliver them like he would deliver a Daniel or someone in this room who has real faith. And some bad things can happen, and God can certainly allow those bad things to happen. Just as much as God protected Daniel from the lion's den, he didn't protect these satraps or their families from the lion's den. And if judgment comes on this earth, there's no, not many people on this earth have the right to say, oh, what did God do this for? Because most of the people on this earth are just like these satraps. Just like these governors. They're godless men and women. They don't want anything to do with God. They would rather have the rocks fall on them, the mountains fall on them, than to have anything to do with God. And so God sometimes judges, and at the very least, he allows judgment to come upon non-believers. So when you read the next verse, that's what happens. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men that had accused Daniel. And that's a dangerous thing to do, too. You start messing with God's people and you're asking for trouble. Paul Smith, Chuck Smith's brother, told a story at one of our pastor's conferences about this guy who was running a blog calling, calling Chuck Smith a heretic. And he was constantly accusing him. And, and Paul Smith happened to run into the guy and he was preaching uh, at a particular conference and he began to berate Chuck Smith and Paul Smith called him out on it and warned him that it's a dangerous thing to mess with God's anointing. You know, David knew better than that even with Saul, as bad as Saul was. And the next day, leaving this conference, this guy was killed in a car accident. Now, was that God? I kind of think so. I mean, you, it's a bad thing to slander anybody and to gossip about anybody. But if you gossip or slander and lie about God's anointed, you can end up in the lion's den too without any help coming at all. And that's what happened to these guys. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them and their children and their wives. Well, wait a minute, Lord, aren't you going to protect their children and their wives? And the lions overpowered them, and before they even hit the floor of the den, they broke all of their bones to pieces. They were dead. I mean, the children and the wives, wait a minute, Lord, you could have protected them. You know, God is omniscient. It means he knows everything. He knows the past, present, and future. He knows everything that's ever going to happen in the future. He's already seen it happen. 
He lives in eternity. We're in time. He's already seen it happen. So he knows the future. And, and I think if he saw any hope for any of these people, he would have delivered them just like he did Daniel. You know, there's an interesting story in the Bible over in the book of Exodus, Numbers, rather, Numbers. When the three men, Korah and Dathan and Abiram, decide to slander Moses and Aaron. And they complain and say, who are you to think that you're special? That God has appointed you to lead us. We can lead this nation better than you're leading this nation is basically what they said. And you remember what happened? The earth opened up. Now, there's nobody else that could have done this but the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed them and their wives and their children. Now, why would God take their children? Well, because again, in his omniscience, he knows most of the time like father, like son. An evil man breeds an evil family most of the time. But what's really cool about that story is that it tells us that some of the sons of Korah were spared. Now, he was the ring leader. So you'd think that if anybody was spared, it'd be the kids of Dathan or Abiram. But some of Korah's kids were spared. Why were they spared? Because God in his omniscience knew that one day they were going to turn out for good. That they were going to turn out to be children of God. And when you go to your Bible and you read Psalms 40 through 48 and somewhere around 80 through 87, somewhere around that area, you're going to see the sons of Korah were the writers of those Psalms. God used them in a powerful way. God sees all of that. He knows all of that. And sometimes in his mercy, I think he removes evil people from this world and evil children from this world so they won't have to suffer through an evil life. He knows. His ways are, his ways are mightier, greater in our ways, and, and, and they're not, his ways are different from our ways. Going on, verse number 26. Let me, let me go back and read 25 again. King Darius wrote, oh, no, we do need to go to 25. I almost skipped 25. All right, then King Darius wrote. Now, you think maybe King Darius has had, this has impacted King Darius. Here's Daniel. He's throwing the lines in. The lines don't touch him. Who's his God? Jehovah. Here's, here's these satraps. They're thrown in the lines den. Before they hit the floor, they're all dead and their families. Who's their God? But I think for the most part, themselves. Maybe the pagan gods too. But when you worship a pagan god, basically you're lifting your, you're getting a god lower than you are so you can really worship yourself. And so they were really worshiping themselves. But, but uh, Darius, Darius is a wise man. He's a good man. And, and uh, you got to ask the question, I mean, why did God even allow this to happen to Daniel? And I think the main thrust of his whole uh, reason for allowing Daniel to go into the lion's den was to save Darius, to save this pagan king. So a lot of other people in that empire would get saved. And man, look at, look at the gospel message he sends out. Verse number 25. Then Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in, the, in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. 
I mean, what a good king. How many kings really care about the peace of their people, the prosperity and peace of their people? I mean, Darius did. And, and, and so uh, he, he, he makes this decree to all the peoples and languages that dwell on the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I mean, maybe you have plenty of peace. I mean, Darius knew something that the last of the Israeli kings or learned something that the last of the Israeli kings had forgotten, that Jehovah is God. And that peace can only be found not in a political system, not in a human king. Peace can only be found in Jehovah God. He knew the secret of peace. You flee idolatry and you serve the true and living God. He goes on in verse 26. He says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear not before me, but before the God of Daniel. Now, could that decree be reversed? No. So he demands worship of, of uh, the God of Daniel, Jehovah God. For he is the living, true and living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. I think maybe Daniel had told him a little bit about that vision. Remember the vision of the last, the last, where the, where the rock is honed out of the mountain and destroys the statue, a kingdom that can, and a kingdom is established that cannot be destroyed. He knew that that kingdom wasn't a Persian kingdom. It wasn't a Mede kingdom. It wasn't a Babylonian kingdom. It wasn't going to be a Greek kingdom. It was going to be the kingdom of God. And he knew that. Listen to what he says about God. He says he's the living God. He's steadfast forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I mean, I, I wish he would talk to Bill O'Reilly and some of these people that believe the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament. He understood he's the same today and yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The one whose kingdom has no end. Verse 27, he delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. Uh, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. You know, I'm sure it didn't take long for this story to get out into all the kingdom that, that uh, Daniel had been delivered from the lion's den and all the other satraps and their wives and their children had died. And so uh, Darius capitalizes on this story and he encourages all the people there to, to, hey, man, serve Jehovah God. He's the one who can deliver you out of trouble by his miraculous power. He's the one who can rescue you from your sin. He's the one who can save you. See the power in that testimony Daniel had? Now the power in the testimony of Darius? The power that's available to you if you stick with the Lord through these trials and not cut and run and you just let the Lord do his thing? Meaning do great things through you. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Cyrus the Persian, by the way, is, is who? He's the one who issued the decree for, for the Israelites to go back into the land after their 70 years in captivity. So, just like Daniel had done in the reign of Nebuchadnezzar and the reign of Belshazzar, he prospered. Man, he prospered. Why did he prosper? What's one word? Why did he prosper? Faith. He had faith. Faith in Jehovah God, in the true and living God, the God who's the same yesterday in the day of Daniel, today in our day, and tomorrow. We can trust him to be the same God in our situation. 
I mean, what's amazing to me, he didn't just prosper in the land of Israel with his parents and in a palace somewhere. He prospered in a pagan kingdom as a slave, as a eunuch, he prospered. I mean, not only did he prosper in fame and fortune, I mean, he prospered in his witness. His witness became great throughout the whole land. He prospered in his prayer life. I have no doubt that it was Daniel who prayed the Israelites back into Israel. It was him who went three times a day and his most important prayer was to pray that, that God would return Israel to, their, to the promised land and take them out of captivity. He prayed that. You know, I can learn a lot. We've kind of looked at this narrative for the first six chapters and we can look at these prophecies and I, I believe we can learn a lot from these prophecies about end times. And, but man, I can learn a lot about faith. I can learn a lot about my relationship with God from this character, Daniel. And what I learned is that no matter what position, what place God has placed me in my life, I can prosper. You know, as evangelicals, conservative evangelicals, I think sometimes we're guilty because we're weary of the health, wealth people and the prosperity gospel people. We're weary of this idea that God wants to prosper his people. No, he wants to prosper every one of us. He's going to prosper every one of us. Sometimes prosperity for us is trials. But he wants to prosper us. He wants us to succeed in life. He doesn't want us to be a bunch of losers and failures. He wants us to succeed. Because it's through our success, by his, through his power and through our faith, that we do become witnesses. And so here is Daniel uh, in this really bad environment. And, and he, what does he do? He has a great influence upon that environment. And he changes that environment. He had changes that environment by his faith, by his prosperity, by his obedience, and by his prayer. You know, God wants us to have a victorious life because he wants us to influence this culture, this pagan culture that we live in. Why does he want us to influence this culture? So that people would get saved. And he wants to give us a testimony every bit as powerful as Daniel's. Because that's the kind of testimony that, that is a witness to this lost and dying world. We go retreat and hide in our homes that have nothing to do with this lost world. We, don't, we talked about taking risks Sunday. Taking risk isn't just doing something spectacular for God. It's coming out of our comfort zone. It's talking to that neighbor that, that we don't like. It's talking to that coworker or boss that we don't like. It's trusting God instead of cutting and running like we do sometimes as Christians. Trusting God that, that whatever fire he's placed us in or whatever den he's placed us in, the angel of the Lord's going to be with us there. And he's going to bring light on that situation. And if we trust the Lord like that, like Daniel, then there's no limits to what God can do with us. And, and hey, has there ever been a time where we need to impact this culture more than now?
No, there hasn't been. So, so we all need to pay heed to, to the lessons we've learned here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, next week we'll, we'll dig into the deep stuff. Father, we just thank you for your word and just the great example of a man like Daniel. The example of his faith, Lord, and his love for you and his steadfast uh, endurance in a, in a very difficult situation, in a lot of difficult situations. But Lord, because he endured, you prospered him. You prospered him in a way that, that uh, everyone could see. Everyone could see your power in him, working through him. Lord, I know you want to, you're the God, you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And just what you did for Daniel, you want to do for us. Lord, if we'll just be obedient, if we'll just stay where you've placed us as long as you want us there, if we'll stay there and do your will, Lord, you can do mighty things through us. Sure, there'll be some trials. Those trials, Lord, you'll use to show the world just how powerful you are in us. And so, Lord, we just welcome these things. We embrace these things and, and just, just ask you to, to, to use us uh, in the greatest possible way possible as, as, as we live in this lost and dying world and as this United States of America becomes more and more pagan by the minute. Lord, help us to have an impact on this culture. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen.